0: Welcome to the Business with Bordeaux podcast, where we're bringing basic business tips to entrepreneurs and the future leaders of tomorrow. Let's get down to business. Hello, hello. Thank you for joining me for another episode of the Business with the Bordeaux podcast. I am your host, Jason Bordeaux. You can find me over on Twitter and Instagram at Jason Bordeaux1 and on Facebook as well. And uh, this week we have a great, great interview with Fred Towles. Uh, you can find him at the Group, Inc. Dot com or uh, on Twitter Instagram TtG Inc or at Mr. Towels. and um, this week we had some very very interesting conversation. Now uh, Mr. Fred Tos he is a financial advisor. Uh, he is also a business strategist, and he is a consultant for companies. and um, And we had a great, great interview, and so we covered a lot of areas, including business strategy. We covered some of the basic things that he likes uh, for companies to do when he's working with them. Uh, so a lot of those things are going to be over on the businesswithbordo.com website and the show notes for this show, which will be Fred Towers. And so anyway. Before we get started, I do want to thank our patrons for the show. Mr. Aaron Simpkins over at truestrengthapparel.com. He has some fantastic clothing. He has shirts, hats, hoodies, coats, all sorts of stuff, and a brand new women's line that just released a couple weeks ago. So ladies or men who want to buy their ladies some great apparel, go check them out at truestrengthapparel.com. And I also want to thank Mr. WordPress Stan. You can find him at WPStan.com. He's also a patron of the show. And if you need to get a website done in WordPress format, he is available to do that for you. So you can make sure you check him out at WPStan.com. And I had interviews with both of these gentlemen here on the show. So you can go back and check them out if you want to find out more about what they do. So, uh, so yeah, without further ado, we'll go ahead and jump into the interview for this week. Alrighty. Welcome back to the business with Bordeaux podcast to thank y'all for joining me for another episode. And, uh, and this week we have an interview from Mr. Fred towels, and, uh, you can check his website out at the towels group inc.com and, uh, the link to the website will be in the description. So you can go and check that out and, um, you know, see a lot of the things that he does. But uh, the interesting thing is uh, he was introduced to me from Lavoisier Cornerstone, who was also on the show. And the reason why I wanted to talk to him is because he deals with finance um, on a personal level and business level. And whenever I had wanted to bring somebody on the show, I was going to get uh, a finance professor of mine. And so the fact that I was able to uh, meet a Christian business owner who deals with finance was Completely awesome, and uh, and I'm so glad you're able to come and be a part of the show, brother. So h- how are you doing? I'm well,
1: and I thank you for the um, and for the invite, and looking forward to uh, getting into some uh, business related material here.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, I can't like, I can't wait, man. This uh, I think you know finance is one of the things that nobody really likes to deal with, <laughs> and um, you know it's like whenever you you're building a company, that's the one area you don't want to look at because one either you just don't have the proper amount of finances and you don't want to face that realization. Right. And, um, or you're in a financial situation where you have to cut something back and then you don't want to do that. And so, and that's true for, for personal and business. True. But, um, so yeah, man, so what I would love to do is I'd love to get just a little bit of background about yourself and, uh, what kind of got you into finance and then what led up to you kind of starting your own business.
1: Okay. Well, um, I guess since the age of thirteen, I've owned a business of some sort of another, right? Um, so when I got out of get ready to go into high school, the high school I went to at the time, they had um, one of the academies was the finance academy. So I took an affinity to that. Uh, liked it. Got into accounting in high school. And then when I went to college, you know, it just made sense to make accounting my major, and that's what ended up happening. I uh, went to college, graduated with a, a, a bachelor's degree in accounting. I went to grad school and wanted to delve more into business, and bang, that's what it was. I'm, I'm here. Um, from from there, it was just a matter of in the in the workforce, um, finance was a natural gravity for me because I always like dealing with money, always like dealing with business, and love working with people, right? Um, even people sometimes that are unworkable with, if that's a term per se, <laughs> <laughs> the difficult clients, the very difficult one, <laughs> um, difficult pers- prospects as well. So obviously when you're dealing with, um, people from various, uh, backgrounds, obviously there's going to be some, you know, um, back and forth and, and that's fine. But the, uh, the ultimate idea is that I realized in, in this country, um, in order to really get ahead you really have to own a business um you really can't get ahead unless you are even as a high income earner you most people in this country are not able to get ahead unless there's some level of um business ownership
0: right right i yeah. agree i completely agree and uh that's one of the things that i try to um, tell some people, especially those who don't have a higher level of education, that it's a little bit harder for them to get a job. Right. Is if you can create a job. That's right. Then, then you might be better off and, uh, and then you're not subject to everybody else's decision makings. True. So, um, awesome. So whenever you were, um, you went to school and you decided to do accounting, and uh, I got a question though for, for schooling is if somebody wants to do accounting or finance, do you think that uh, schooling is, is that kind of a requirement? Do you think for some people, or do you think people can just kind of grasp it and learn it growing up and then successfully create something out of that? Because I know for something like that, I would probably want to make sure someone has credentials.
1: Right now, most of my, probably most of my professors are probably, if they heard of this, they'd probably be angry, but so I'll say, <laughs> I'll say this, right? I, I have clients that are, um, some haven't graduated from college. Some have done a little college. Some have done no college and they've been successful. Right. Um, I, I'm, I'm trying to choose my words because my wife is an educator as well. Right. So <laughs> trying to <laughs> choose my words careful. carefully, very careful here. Right. So the, the here's the idea. The idea is what I tell people is education is very important. Um, but what also what I realize is, is that 85 percent or 80 to 85 percent of the items are the things I learned in college. Right. Most of those things don't work in the real, real world. They only work in a textbook. Right. When you uh, try to apply the textbook uh, to real world situations, sometimes the textbook goals are lacking, right? But you mm-hmm. still need that degree. What I tell my clients here is I said, you know what, the degrees on the wall that I have is, allows you to have faith in the fact that I know what I'm talking about and it allows me to sit on one, this side of the desk and for you to sit on the other side of the desk and you to listen to me as the authority. That's what, it's, right. that's what the parchment is, right? It doesn't say that I'm better than you. It doesn't say yeah, I know more than you. It just testifies to the fact that for this particular area, I have some proficiency in. Now, if, if, if I ask a business owner, is, if you ask me, is it required for a business owner to have a college degree? Absolutely not. No, absolutely not. Um, should you have some level of knowledge? Absolutely. But is there a requirement that you get a degree? No. Um, if you're in the finance profession, or if you're in accounting profession, is it necessary for a degree? And then my turn, my answer to that, it absolutely is because you need someone to uh, some third party to verify that you actually know something in regard or proficient in this particular area of business. Gotcha.
0: Gotcha. So, and I know for uh, for a lot of businesses that hold um, a lot of very important Businesses, there's a lot of like continuing education classes and different certifications you earn throughout your career. Correct. Is that something that accountants and in, uh, finance um, individuals in finance do they have to continue to educate themselves in that way?
1: Yeah, the, in most of the finance professions, there's a continuing education requirement and um, okay. to maintain your license, right? And even here, here's the thing, um, even if you aren't in the finance profession and you're a business owner, right? There, I, I believe there's still a continuing education requirement. Um, you may not have to report to a governing body that licenses you, but there's always what we consider, what I consider per, um, personal development, right? There's always things that you can get, become better at. Um, there's always the areas of your business that you can further refine or define uh, to make everything run better, right? Um, right? A business that was launched, a perfect example a Business that was launched in like the 70s or the 80s, right? Um, has to tinker with um, its operations in order to function now. Very, very good example here, right? Blockbuster. I don't know how many of, you, of your, of your <laughs> listeners remember Blockbuster, right? Yeah, but Blockbuster, when it came out, it was the novel thing for you know obtaining. DVD, well, at that time, it was VCRs and DVD, tape, DVD d- right. discs, right? For movies and things of that nature. And then all of a sudden, um, what is it? What's the company that came along and knocked them out of business? Um, and For here still, it was
0: Hollywood Video.
1: Right. Oh, it was, you know what? It was, it was Netflix. I think it was Netflix oh, okay. that yeah. knocked them out of business here. Because at the time, I think Netflix, when they first started out, they were mailing you the DVDs for a, uh, a small fee, and then you would mail them back. And then I believe that they went online, right? Blockbuster did not change its business model to adapt to the changing times on the outside. And because it couldn't adapt its business model, then it didn't survive. Right. And that's what happens with business owners. You know, you might have a th- thriving business at one point, but the conditions outside kind of change. And if you're not able to adapt and change with those outside, those external conditions, then your business is going to fail. And that's why business owners have to continually have some kind of professional and personal development going on with themselves and within their business.
0: Right, right. Same thing with uh, taxi companies and Uber.
1: Exactly. Perfect. If, if
0: taxi, yeah. If, if taxi companies don't adjust, every taxi service is going to be gone. Exactly, and and it's just gonna be Uber and Lyft.
1: Uber and Lyft, and that, and and, and, and other companies that develop that those models. Correct. Yeah, mm-hmm. you, you yep. have to adapt. Yeah.
0: Oh to. yeah. Yeah, that's good. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. And um, so whenever you're talking to um to small business owners or those who are wanting to get in the business, what kind of uh debt? Like we were talking about debt before the call, but um one would you recommend that anybody who is actually in debt to try to start a business how do you uh address people in that aspect because a lot of us try a lot of us might be in debt right and then we want to start a business to get, try to get out of debt okay H- Has that something that you've seen people try to uh, try to do and how do you navigate that con- that conversation
1: I-, I-, I see that often um I'm of a different persuasion. There, there are a bunch of models when it, when when, come on, when individuals or professionals in my area talk about that. There's one, and and these people will remain nameless, right? Um, that believes that you should do nothing except for fo- you shouldn't even save money. You should just focus on getting out of debt. Um, I'm not. I don't agree with that. Right. So
0: like I- Dave Ramsey. <laughs> Right, <laughs> right. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I I, I called it out.
1: Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not a um. I, I love his material, but I'm 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 not a believer in the fact of canceling everything else and just get out of debt. And then once you're out of debt, you can begin everything else. I I think most people or many people can do it simultaneously. They can save, they can invest, and they can get out of debt because the idea is is this. If I'm putting a little away to save, if I'm putting in a little way to invest, then I, and then I'm also paying down on my debt. Eventually, what I am investing is going to help me also pay down on my debt. So, a business, depending on what kind of business it is, right? Let's just take a per take a, a quasi example here. Person A is in $10,000 of credit card debt, right? Um, they want to start a business. Hey, Let's say they want to work with one of the network marketing companies. Pretty low investment, um, stable um, infrastructure, right? And it's just a matter of time, right? Investing some time, investing a small upfront fee, maybe less than $500, right? And they can begin uh, to potentially make some money. For something like that, I would say, you know what? Go for it. If it's something that's a product or service that you believe in, there's a minimal $500 or less intro fee, right? Uh, Very small monthly fee, let's say less than $50 a month, and then you're in debt, and you also have some kind of stable work, right? I would say, you know what? Based on your budget, let's try it, right? Because you're already in debt, so a $500 fee up front and less than a $50 monthly fee isn't going to hurt where the potential for you, the upside potential is very high for the most part. So in a situation like that, I would say, you know what? Yeah, you can. We can work with you to help you get out of debt, help you put some money aside, and also invest in something that's going to hopefully kick you back something in return so that you can help pay down this debt. And I've seen a number of examples like that where that model w- actually works for them. Right. Yeah.
0: Cool. So for for some of these people, um do you recommend people and I I know every situation is different. So I hate to ask blanketed statements, but, uh, I'll try not to blanket them. (laughs) But with, uh, with a lot of people who are wanting to start a business and they're in, and they're in debt or, or not in debt, um, do you encourage them to work like a a full-time or a part-time job and start this venture, um, while doing that because i know for a lot of people you know you still have bills unless you're like a single person that just graduated high school and you can eat you know two-day-old chicken sandwiches or something (laughs) but um so what are your thoughts and uh and your your kind of expertise that you've experienced in your years of, of doing finance and and uh kind of consulting in that aspect with, uh, with people working to have another steady flow of income because I feel like there's two mainstream ideas that I hear a lot, and that is you put everything down to go full throttle on this new venture or you work and do this on the side until you can grow it into a full-time job.
1: I think both of those models are applicable depending on the situation, right? Okay. Um, someone that has a family... Um, and has responsibility, they may have to, right? Depending on their situation, they may have to um, work their business and their job. I was like that. Um, I always believed 9 to 5 was for my employer, and then 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. was for the employer, and then 5 p.m. to 9 a.m. was for me. So sometimes you have to build your business, kind of moonlight your business, right? Sometimes you have to do that, and then there are times where the 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 compulsion is so great that you say, you know what, I'm going to drop everything and um, pursue this business. Now, um, I only suggest that last part if you're single, because if you right. have a family, <laughs> amen. <laughs> amen. Right. If you have a family, and you have responsibilities. Um, responsibility meaning i'm not even financial responsibility just responsibilities to spend time with your family etc etc um what tends to happen when you drop everything right is that you really drop everything so you drop the family you drop everything and i think as a if you're trying to be balanced um as a business owner you, you you probably won't be able to do that now have we heard success stories Yes we have I've heard a thousand success stories where a person kind of just leaves their job their wife is agreeable with them and they launch out um, they have road bumps and them you know in the midst of things but then ultimately seven eight nine years later four years later whatever have you this idea of selling out and casting their nets um, works but that's not always a suggestion for that I give right because i think something like that is on my end i give the overview all right so right. these are all the possibilities and then but the ultimate decision is left up to the client if they want to leave everything and go right because sometimes our great idea and, and let's just be honest sometimes our great business idea is not that great right <laughs> It's, it's, just, it's just really not that great um, so we have this great idea we, we had this vision and we see um, I don't know, we're selling used ice cubes or something like that and you're saying, you know what, this is phenomenal <laughs> and then sometimes you hear these models and you're like that's probably not going to work at right. least not to the magnitude that you believe it's going to work right? but why? because there's somebody doing it already Right. Does, does that mean it can't work? Well, no, because, listen, um, McDonald's sells a hamburger. Burger King sells a hamburger. Wendy sells a hamburger, right? Carl's Jr. sells a hamburger. These all are hamburger places, right? But they mm-hmm. all exist still, and they're all thriving and making money. So, but what's the, what's, the, what's the difference? Well, McDonald's does things a certain way. Burger King does things a certain way. Carl's Jr. does things a certain way. Wendy's does things a certain way, so it's not that you can't bring something to the market that's not already in the market, but what is it that separates your product or service in the market from someone else? And if you can't define that answer, if you can't answer that question, then your business model is probably not as good as you think it is.
0: Amen. Differentiation is so, so, so important. And uh, and I try to tell... Uh, we have a lot of Christian or aspiring Christian hip hop artists, uh, that listen to the show and I did an article a while ago, uh, riches of the niches. And I was saying how even in Christian hip hop, like that's Christian hip hop in itself is not a niche like it used to be. Right. Uh, it's so much more. It's becoming more mainstream with artists, you know, newer artists coming up and kind of talking about God and Jesus and their subject con- or their, their content. Right. Uh, you gotta kind of find your new. Uh, you, you gotta kind of pave out your own individual lane still to um, to differentiate yourself from everybody else. Because now a lot of people are using scripture in their songs. True. So very true. It's very true. So just uh, I wanted to kind of address the. Kind of uh your your personal kind of business model with consulting and um because I know a lot of times with consultants they'll do a little bit of like introductory kind of work whenever you're working with clients and people come to you and ask for consulting um with like do you have like an initial consultation that is like kind of free of charge to see how you can help them and then uh if they decide to go with you then you. You know, you start something from there. How, do, how does that work out if somebody were to come to you and ask for you for uh, for consulting?
1: Well, here, here's what I think what happens with us is that they're, they're interviewing me. And while okay. they're interviewing me, I'm actually interviewing them, right? Gotcha. Um, because at the end of the day, I'm, I really need to know that my time is not being wasted. Yeah. Right? I really need to know that. I'm at a stage in my life now that I need to know my time is not being wasted. Um, whether you have the money to pay or not, I just need to know my time is not being wasted. So there are some questions I ask um, depending on the situation and those questions based on the answers to those questions, I kind of have an idea where these people, whoever you know whoever's sitting in front of me, where they are, if they're really serious, is this just an idea that they're looking to cash in the wind and see if it you know see if it's going to work um, and then I have to make a decision. Of saying you know what yeah I'll take you or you know you probably I can't take you at this time Um, because if you're serious then we can work but if you're not serious then it's it's, it's almost a waste of time especially if you're talking about um, starting a business because starting a business is hard work it's no matter what business it is it's hard work because there's sacrifices that need to be made there are decisions that need to be made there are things that need to be analyzed. Um, there are uh, situations that need to be resolved. They always pop up, right? Um, and unfortunately, what ends up happening, the more people you have involved, typically the more messier it gets, right? right. Which means yeah. the more situations come up, the more uh, issues have to be resolved, et cetera. So um, like I said, there, there's some questions that kind of test the prospective business owners um, mantra and their ability to sacrifice and gotcha. you know we make a decision based on that
0: i understand yep yeah, and, and i understand because um you don't want to start investing your time and resources into somebody who's not serious enough or has um a well enough constructed business model right because that's and- a waste of your time because they likely won't succeed Right. And uh, so I can definitely understand that. <clears throat>
1: and and it's, it's something I learned from one of my mentors. Um, someone came to um, one of my mentors. Uh, this is probably over like six years ago. This is when he told us the story. And they told him that they were really tired of where they were. They wanted to start a business. And he said, okay, great. He says, um, show me $500 in your bank account. And they, and then the person says, well, what do you mean? He says, Well, show me $500 in your bank account. Just show me a bank statement that has $500 in it. Any statement, doesn't matter. He said, I'll, I'll even take two or three statements together that yours, that are yours and that has five, a total of $500. And the, the person said to them, Well, I, I don't have that. Well, he said, Well, you're not ready to do business. He said, Because in order to do business, you have to have something to start with, right? So this person wanted him to, it wanted him to mentor them right and this mentor that i'm talking about he makes about seventy thousand dollars a month from a network marketing company right Wow. this is legit seventy thousand a month from a network marketing company no scams no frails no anything and and the thing was that was his quote-unquote moment that was this person's moment to be able to say i'm i'm serious i'm ready so and my mentor says he says if, if this person doesn't have $500 to start something, says, well, he's in any, or if he can't sacrifice somehow to get this $500 up over time, then he's not ready to do business. Right. Yeah. So it's, it makes it's, sense. It's the same model. That's why when I, when I learned that I've, I've began and going through people, you know, working with people that aren't serious and kind of wasting time, um, wasting resource. And also in some cases not being paid, um, you st- start trying to weed out. People
0: yeah. gotcha, yeah. gotcha. So, uh, along with the $500 starting off, what are some other things that, that you really suggest to people, uh, you know, from business model or from, uh, or accounting or financial situation? Uh, what are some of the things that, that you kind of coach small businesses? to uh to make sure that they have in line when they want to get started because the 500 dollars is a, it, you know that's a great example of, of having that little bit of cash to put into your company to start because you definitely don't want to start in debt
1: <laughs> so
0: um so what are some of the other things that that you could think of that you actually kind of you know try to uh weave out and, and and discover in small business potential business owners uh before you feel like they might be able to keep going
1: uh one is one of the primary things is expertise in the area I, I i try to find out if they have any expertise or experience in the area right um it's difficult to go into something where there's no expertise at all right. um or, or no experience at all that's that's one of the first things i ask the, the second thing i've to find out and you can't really ask this you, you only can find this out by exper- experimentation um is the person coachable do you know everything walking in the door if you know everything, walking in in the door, you don't need me, right? So if you're yeah. coachable, <laughs> there's there's no need for me if you know everything, right? So if you're if you're if you're coachable or, or teachable, right? Um, then we we can work with you. One of the great philosophers of our day, this is going to be funny, right? One of the great philosophers of our day is a gentleman named Kevin Durant. You probably know him from the Minnesota <laughs> Timberwolves, the Boston Celtics, right? Right. And one of the things he always says, he says, um, "Hard work beats talent every day." He was. That was one of his classic statements, and it's the truth, right? If you walk into a talented and, and you know you know everything, right? I can find someone that is coachable that doesn't have as much talent as you, but just willing to work hard, and I can guarantee you over a five-year clip, I can I can coach that person's business to be more phenomenal than your business, without question. No matter right. how many connections the person has, doesn't really matter. Because hard work actually beats talent every single day. Um, and then third thing is, what is the infrastructure like? Is there a team? Do you, do you have a some kind of, even if they're not working directly with you or directly in the business, is there a team around you that can help you, right? Because for every successful business, I can guarantee you, I can, if, you if, the, if you talk to the owner, and the owner was very, very serious with you, there is a team. There's a coach, there's an attorney, there's an accountant, there's probably some kind of moral support, whether a wife, a parent, a cousin, an aunt, an uncle, there's somebody, uh, there's a, a mentoring group, or a mastermind group, there is somebody or there's a team of people behind this person for encouragement, for advice, things of that nature, right? Um, so yeah, I was, was
0: going to say mastermind group. Those are really, really helpful for those who were, um, for those, especially in the smaller entity of a, of a company.
1: Right. Very helpful. And then and here's the thing. And here's what I do. If, I, if the person says, I don't have a mastermind group, then my, my, uh, one of the things I tell them is, you know what? Before I was um, doing this and before I had a group of people around me, what I would do is I would take a book like uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad or Think and Grow Rich, and I would read 10 pages of the book a day. And right. that became my mastermind group because you need to have people around you that think a little differently than you, that see things a little differently than you, and has have than than you and have you have been excuse me and they have had more success than you. If right. you walk into the room, every group that you walk into, if you're the most successful person there, then you need to get out of those rooms because you're never going to grow, right? Amen. Amen. So you have to get in rooms where people have had more success. Maybe not in your industry, but in, in business in particular, you need to be in uncomfortable situations where you walk into a room and it's like I don't know anything because these people around me they have much more experience than me, they have much more money than I do, and they've had much more success than I do. Those are the those um those are the, the environments that business owners, if they're if if they if they're done correctly, if they if they attack them correctly. Those are the environments that business owners thrive in.
0: Right, yeah, man, that's. Um, I love it. I love it. I know. Uh, I used to love reading books, and now I listen to audiobooks. Right, but uh, even with podcast, like that's kind of why I do this podcast is because currently I listen to more podcasts than I read.
1: Oh, nice.
0: Okay. And so, uh, so yeah, learning from others who are more experienced is uh, super important. Yeah. So, so is, is that the list?
1: That's, that's pretty much the list. If that gotcha. was, if there was a top five, that'd be my top five. <laughs>
0: <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Sounds good. So, uh, I'm going to list those out into the, uh, the show notes for this show. Cause oh, I wow. think, yeah I think it's good for everybody to look at that list and make sure you, uh, have those things that you're doing and working on or things that you can look forward to doing and working on. Right. So awesome. Um, one thing I wanted to talk about is. The difference between, this is kind of shifting just a little bit, but uh, the difference between uh, for-profit and non-profit companies. And, um, you know, what are the differences? How does it, you don't have to go into the details, but the basic financial differences, because I know uh, there are some some different things there. Uh, For example, there is a podcast that uh, Sean Grant from Trackstar has actually got me listening to called Startup. Okay. And the individual Alex Bloomberg, he went from NPR, which is a nonprofit to starting his own post- podcasting company, which he was doing for profit. Okay. And, uh, so if you could just break down that way, anybody who might be interested in starting a business, they can know the differences in those. What are kind of the different financial implications of those? And, um, and maybe some of the, cause I know there's, uh, I know there's also some legal stuff there too. So if you're familiar with that, if you could share it, that'd be good. And uh, but just kind of let us know um, your, uh, you know, w- what you know about the difference in those.
1: Uh, <clears throat> typically, for profits are companies that provide some kind of good or service to the public, right? For for profit. Um, tip in non profits. Usually, with non profits, it's some level of service um, that's going to assist the the public. Those are usually mutual benefit companies, um, you know, feeding the hungry, uh, financial literacy, um, the working with the abandoned, the shut in, things of that nature. Um, think think help um, on a church and think help on the social end. Right. Think extensions of churches. Think ex- extensions of um, social maintenance. Um, that the government would normally give. Think think in those areas. So hunger, uh, uh, homelessness, things of that nature, Um, those are usually nonprofit organizations, right? Because what typically happens is obviously the government can't, the state government and the federal government, they cannot, they don't have the bandwidth to um, handle the need. So nonprofits, um, depending on you know where they are, whether they're grassroots kind of starting up or they've been well established, they typically have the bandwidth and the expertise to handle many of those aspects. So it's easier for these government organizations and/or philanthropists to fund a nonprofit organization in in these various areas to assist people that may not be of the means to assist them, you know, to help themselves. Right. Um, in a standpoint of uh, tax, right? The um, obviously for profits, they're going to pay tax on their gross, uh, excuse me, on their net, um, their net income, all of their income after expenses. They they're, they're going to pay tax on a non-profit end that doesn't necessarily happen, right? Um, the non-profit end there's an information return which is a 990. Um, they're either filing a 990 and 990EZ or a 990N at the end of the year. Every non-profit is except- up. Um, for churches, right, fall into this category. Um, they file the information return. They reveal certain information. Um, the rules are slightly different because the, the I consider nonprofits like a glass house. Nothing can be hidden. Everything is is all financial information um, is kind of set to bear to the public to some degree, right? Okay. Whereas a for-profit organization, if it's not a publicly traded company, um, it's a privately held company. Um, their information is not so much exposed to the public as nonprofits are. Um, there's one little area on a nonprofit end where there, there is tax due, um, and that's unrelated business, which is called UBIT. UBIT. Um, if a nonprofit is engaging in some an activity um, for profit that is a, is that's outside of their um, their scope, right? Then there is a tax to pay if they if they reach over a thousand dollars. This is classic. Um, we find this a lot in, or used to find this a lot in churches, where they would do like a, um, a dinner or something like that or breakfast, and they would sell it. The church would say there's a, a donation, but if you're doing it on a regular basis, it's not a donation. It's a business, right? Oh, okay. <laughs> so gotcha, gotcha. You, you see that kind of stuff a lot if it's, if it's kind of regular. So you're doing this not every Sunday, but you're doing this twice a month, you know, right. second and third Sunday or whatever have you, first and fourth Sunday or whatever have you. It's a regular routine. That's no longer a donation. You're doing. It. You're operating a business. So in those areas, in that aspect, um, the nonprofit organization would have to file a UBIT tax return and pay tax on its net income.
0: Yeah, we uh, at my church, we were trying to you know find ways to raise funds. It's actually a ministry for the deaf, and it's very low. Uh, finance, but right. so you know, and, and we had talked about doing that like maybe twice a, a month, doing like a, a meal, Got and it. and the issue that we had was with like um um the food, the kind of the the what's it called like like the the service, the rating quality. Okay. With the uh, I can't remember the name of the department, but it's pretty much people that come in and they they grade your kitchen and your materials, and you have to. Pass all these inspections and all these things. Right. They were like, if you do it more than once a month, then it's considered a business, and you have to, you know, meet all these regulations that the government sets for serving food. Correct. So correct. Yeah. And, so and, that, and
1: even if, and even with that, there's um of nonprofits that engage in those kind of things. There's I always tell my clients that there's a way um, to do whatever you want to do. So it might be just a matter of even in your situation, it might be a matter of your church spinning off into another nonprofit organization that just caters directly to the deaf that's not necessarily quote unquote religious so that they there can be some funding from the outside because typically grants and things of that nature, if it's political, if it's politically backed or it's religiously backed, they typically don't finance those. Hmm. But if it's outside of the political scope or the religious scope, they will. Gotcha. So you see a lot of church organizations or political organizations they spin off into a generalized nonprofit organization, right? So there's no mention of politics, there's no mention of religion in any of their bylaws. Um, there may be overtones or, excuse me, undertones of it, but there's no speech of it in any of the official documents. And they get funding, right? And it becomes an extension of this organization.
0: Okay, okay. I'm glad you said that, man. That's gonna, uh, I'm gonna bring that up myself for sure. So glad you shared that. Now, I just want to uh, kind of point out a little difference here. So, for a company that is very well known um, for giving shoes away, every time you buy a pair of shoes, you give a pair of shoes away. Tom's, okay, okay. A company like that. Uh, I think they're for profit. Now, they have kind of built their model around, you know, that one for one right so for companies that want to one you know and, and I, I actually recommend that people don't build a company that depends on people's generosity in that way because you're like you're you're leveraging your company on somebody's goodness because you're doing this thing or whatever and um but that, that's kind of my personal view on it but it, you know in terms of the kind of one for one or a lot of people try to copy that model now, right. Where it's like, you know, well, if you purchase this and I'll give this to such and such for a good cause, okay. um, is that for profit or a not non-for-profit? And if it's for profit, like wh- what makes that different?
1: Well, it, it, it might be a for-profit organization, which would make sense because, um, w- w- again, going back to what we said before, Sometimes you have to, if you've been in business for a while, you have to adjust based on the times, right? right. Externally now, um, they're, especially the millennials, they they support what will support something that, they, they'll support something that tugs at their heartstrings, right? right? So even if they don't necessarily like what they're supporting per se, right? So let's take an example like Tom's, right? If Tom's is saying, we'll give, if every pair of shoes you buy, We'll give a pair of shoes to like a chi- uh, an orphanage or a shelter or someone in a shelter, a young child in a shelter or something, right? Mm-hmm. So for Tom's, and I'm not saying it's th- that way for them now, but for a company like Tom's, that might be part of their marketing strategy Right. where we wouldn't necessarily do as much business on our own if we didn't have this quote-unquote give-back tool. Because I think they may be adapting. And, I'm, and this is an outside, outsider looking in without right, having right. all of the information. Um, that might be a good approach to marketing. So if it's a for-profit organization, every time they donate a, a pair of shoes to someone, then they get a tax write-off for the donation. So it's, it's, it's not like it's um, there's no benefit per se, right? So, right. Tom's is giving somebody a pair. Tom's is selling a selling a pair of shoes, receiving revenue, and then they're subsequently giving another pair of shoes away for free. So, the person that's getting a free pair of shoes is benefited. The person that's buying the shoes is benefited. Tom's is going to be benefited because they're going to get a tax deduction, right? And then the person that purchased the shoes, they're going to be benefited because they allowed somebody else to be. They were the mechanism that allowed somebody else to get a pair of shoes for free. Right. Right. So that works in that model. Can every business do something like that? Probably not. That model doesn't work for every business. Um, But if it's a nonprofit organization, it makes even more sense. Um, But a lot of people, um, I I read something the other day that says millennials will give to causes rather than give to people. So if there's a particular cause that you support, it could very well bring more people through the door. Especially if you advertise it correctly, that would come through the door regularly. So let's just say for argument's sake, you take your average um, um, tri-state area company. Maybe it's only in a, you know a regional company, and that regional company push a, pushes a major campaign to say, you know what, for every person that comes through the door that buys our product, we're going to donate a hundred dollars to this scholarship fund or. We're going to donate this to a particular uh, orphanage or a particular shelter or something like that. Now what's going to happen p- more than likely is people that are have an affinity to that particular cause that may not walk through your doors to buy anything, they may be more enticed now to support your company because your company supports something that they are aligned with. Right, right. It's a very good marketing strategy for some companies.
0: Yeah, um, there was a website, and I I think it shut down now. I don't know if they renamed it, rebranded it, but c28.com used to do uh, Christian clothing. Okay. And the way it worked is for everything you bought, a certain percentage of of it went to some kind of foundation. And uh, and my daughter was born Cleft Live Cleft Palette. And they had a foundation that they donated to that went overseas and did surgeries for kids who had a cleft lip, cleft palate, because, you know, it's very, very serious in, in infants. Oh, wow. And uh, and so, like, at that point, for me, it was like, okay, well, anytime I want to get a new shirt, I'm going to go to their website. Exactly. And um, so, you know, that that model makes a lot of sense. Now, my um, question for you. Now, this is going to tap into a little more uh, Christian – specific do do you feel like what's your thoughts on businesses christian businesses starting for profit against or or instead of a non-profit and how can that does that fit the the kingdom strategy and um what's your thoughts on that because i feel like a lot of people might feel kind of guilty for trying to start a for-profit company and become wealthy and things like that and um and since you do a lot of consulting and stuff and you are a believer and I, I'd love to get your thoughts on, on that. And, um, you know, did, have you, have, have you ever had any Christians that came with this kind of struggle?
1: Um, that, uh, this is the first time I've heard something like that. Um, here, here's the thing, the, the, the kingdom, the kingdom mindset, right? Let's, let's, let's just take a peek. Um, the, since since we're, we're since we're going here, right? The disciples, which were not, which are after that, were known as the uh, the apostles, right? right? They were were fishermen, agricultural people, right? So there had to be some level of trade for them to survive, right? In the classic, since modern day two thousand seventeen um, uh, view, right? They would have had a for profit organization, right? Be- see, here here's here's the thing. The thing is. Um, It has to do with the owner's heart, right? If there is an enticement to um, or this um, ability to start a for-profit organization, right, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think what ends up happening is the the question is, well, what do you do with the funds after, right, you receive them? Is it being – are the funds being hoarded and just absorbed by you and your family or – is there something that is actually given, being given to the kingdom? That's one aspect. Secondly, right. um, the people that walk through your door, right, Are they? how are they being impacted? That I'm not a believer in regards to every time somebody walks through the door, you have to have a revival service. I'm not one of those, right? <laughs> gotcha. But I do know some people like that. I know some business <laughs> owners like that. Every time there has to be a deliverance service and things like that, I do not do that, right?
0: Have one, you really encountered that?
1: i've seen that a few times wow, i've seen wow. and heard about that a few times yeah
0: okay
1: right so and it, you know if that's what you do hey that's what you do that's not what i'm called to do right right Right. that's, that's not me so I, I can't i can't judge your calling it just looks weird i just can't judge. i just can't judge it right <laughs> so um the idea is is that how, how how do you impact people think think about jesus's model jesus goes to a feast a wedding feast and they run out of wine and he turns water into wine Jesus is then um, seen um, uh, dwelling or or associating with uh, those that are sinners, right? Um, He spends time in the tabernacle and he spends time outside of the tabernacle, right? So we have to look at the model and say, well, he was, Jesus was not only a temple dweller, he was also a fellowshipper with people as well. So the, um should or every believer start a non-profit organization no I don't believe that Um, some should obviously if that's what they're called to do some but most probably aren't called to that Um, should every believer start a for-profit organization not necessarily um, because there's some people that will do that and some people that aren't called to do that right Um, but the the thing is the impact of the kingdom the Bible says one plants one waters and God gives the increase right so are you a planter or a waterer which one are you Right. And can you plant and water in a nonprofit organization? Yes, you can. Can you plant and water on a for-profit organization? Yes, you can. So I don't I don't see a difference between the two. Love it. In regards it. to impact for the kingdom. Gotcha.
0: I love it. Yeah. It, the, the reason why I ask is because um, I know of a, a pretty large church uh, out in South Carolina, and they have started. The church itself has started like several for-profit companies. Nothing wrong and, with that. and they use the increase of that to help support the ministry, and the things that they do. You know, from a ministry standpoint, not just for business itself. And um, so you know, I think a lot of times as Christians, we, you know, we might feel like money is bad, and uh, and having a lot of money seems greedy or whatever. And even if you give a lot of it away, we feel like you know we're supposed to be at the bottom of the barrel, just like the poorest amongst us and things like that.
1: And um There's this but there's no scripture that supports that. Right, right. I know. I, there's no there's no and here's the thing. If if you have if you know believers that, you know, they, they feel guilty about their money, um, send them to me. I, I can figure <laughs> something out. <laughs> I can figure something out. Don't worry. But There you but go, there you go. I honestly believe that um many churches that are trying to impact um their communities, right? They should start for-profit organizations. I believe that. I, I really believe that because um, people aren't, in most places, and I deal with churches as well, in most places people don't give the way they used to even though there's more money now than there ever was before, right? right? Because of situations like that, because of situations about bad financial management, um, the poor financial literacy, things of that nature. But people don't give like they used to. So I think many of you if you look at many of the churches around a nation that are are thriving, right? Um, in regards of programs and ministry opportunities and things of that nature, um, many of them have for-profit arms. whether there is a direct connect to the for-profit or the connect is there and the public just can't see it. Many of them have for-profit arms. and I, I believe that is a strategy for um, the increase in the kingdom in, in, a, in many of the churches in the U.S.
0: Amen. Amen, yeah. man. I, I completely agree, and, um, you know, I've, I've encouraged people to um, do for-profit, and, you know, well, I mean, really both, but, you know, for me, in my opinion, like, you know, I want to be a person that can hire those who may deem unhirable to the rest of society, Makes sense. And so for like churches who have for-profit companies where they can decide who gets hired and stuff, you know, for somebody who gives their life to Christ and they're trying to make changes in their life and they can't find a job, right. it makes it harder for them. And so, you know, us as believers being able to provide that for, you know, other believers or, you know, situations like that, I feel like are, are very, very, uh, very biblical and very ministry.
1: Um, makes sense. And as long as they're able to do the work.
0: Right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Well, <laughs> You're still going to have the business management in there for sure. <laughs> for sure. It can't just be hundred percent ministry. You got to be smart and yeah, exactly. be a business person.
1: <laughs> Definitely got to be able to do the work. I understand. That. Oh yeah. That makes oh, sense. Yeah. All that
0: righty, makes man. Sense. Well, I tell you that has been phenomenal. I've learned a lot and I know those who are listening have learned a lot. And uh, how can people find you if they want to get in contact with you for anything?
1: Oh, they can check the company's website, www.thetowesgroupinc.com. Um, and social media, um, it's going to either be t-t- at TTGINC or um, personally at Mr. Towles, M-R-T-O-W-L-E-S. That's uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, that's where you can find us.
0: All righty, all righty. Well, we, uh, we really appreciate you being on the show, and I know it's been helpful. All the... The, the notes and stuff for the show I'm going to have on uh, businesswithbordo.com on the show notes page. So you can check that out. And uh, Mr. Taos, really be, appreciate you being on the show. And, uh, and I just pray that your business continues to grow and that you continue making a positive impact in people's lives.
1: Well, I appreciate the opportunity again of being here. Awesome show. And uh, I'm looking forward to uh, continuing working with you and your subscribers as well.
0: Alrighty, that sounds good, brother. Well, we thank you for being on the Business with Bordeaux podcast, and uh, have a great day, sir. You too. Alrighty, that was the interview with Mister Fred Towles from theTowlesGroupInc.com. Don't forget to go follow him at TTG Inc. or at Mister Towles. And that is on Twitter and Instagram. So uh, so yeah, all the show notes for all the awesome things that he shared are going to be available at businesswithbordo.com. So don't forget to go check that out. It's also got all my blog postings and my uh, other podcasts that are available. And uh, you can also get the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, uh, Stitcher, and at SoundCloud. So next week, we're actually going to have Mr. Marcus Carey, who is an expert at enterprise security systems so it was a very interesting conversation he started the company with uh, unexpected startings so or I don't know if that's a term or not, but anyway, I just made it up. If not, so, uh, don't miss that next week. And I want to thank you for, for listening to the show every week, for all of you who have been listening to the show for a while now, I just really, really want to salute you and say thank you. And for all of you who might be finding this show for the very first time, I'd love to get your thoughts. So, you know, please let me know what you think, uh, the quality of the show, the interviews. And if you have anybody that you would suggest me interview, please let me know as well. And yeah, so um, not to take up too much more of your time. Again, I want to thank you for listening. And I thank you for your time. And if you're a business owner, I thank you for going out and making a change with your business and what it is that you do. So thank you so much and God bless.